Hello and welcome back to the Couch GM Podcast. My name is Ryan Parker and I'm joined, as always, by Matt. OU doesn't have a head coach as of right now, Chamberlain. Hey-oh. Uh, it's college football reference, but we're we're an NBA podcast. We're back uh, as the Suns had, uh, you know, a no-loss November. We went with no podcast November, and now we're back. We took some time off. I was sick. I lost my voice. Matt was coaching basketball, doing the, doing the, doing the hard work. And, uh, yeah, now we're back. I'm excited. It feels good to be back now. It does. It does. There's been a lot that's happened. There has been a lot in the NBA that has happened, and I'm excited about talk about most of it. We're not going to hit all of it, but we're going to hit most of it. Uh, before we get too far into episode 127, let me remind everyone to follow us on our social media, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, you can search for NBA Couch GM Pod uh, and Couch GM Podcast, and it will show up, and you can follow us. Uh, and if you haven't already, uh, give us a rating review on the podcast platform of your choice, and we would greatly appreciate that as well. Matt, what did people miss in episode 126? So those were our early season surprises. And then also we both gave League Pass teams to watch. Um, I said League Pass is still very early on in the year, so teams to watch. So I, I said the Timberwolves. And you know what? There was, there was a minute they were making it look bad, but mm. they were fine. But then they really started picking it up, and they started being good now. So, I was, I was almost going to have to come back with my take on Carl Anthony Towns isn't the player that we thought he was. But then he, they've started turning around, so I have to table that until uh, um, March when the Timberwolves are out of the playoff conversation. Probably, but <laughs> uh, for now... 11 and 12, right about 500. Basically, where the entire Western Conference is right now. So, pretty solid mm. for Minnesota. Um, now, you said the Warriors. Totally understood the pick at the time. We said at the time, not really a league pass team, but a, a watch team. And uh, oh boy, are they. So, 19 and 4 on the season. Um, I don't, does anyone dislike how the Warriors play or it, watching the Warriors? Here. When I say they're a joy to watch, I think that's an understatement. Like it's just so much fun to watch them. Steph is again at MVP level. And to answer your question, if you don't like watching the Warriors, then you must be a James Harden fan because it is an absolute joy to watch them play and move the basketball. And who thought I would say this? But Andrew Wiggins is fun again. Like was he ever fun? But he's like fun to watch and like. Oh, yeah. And a good NBA player now. Yeah. Actually a good NBA player. You know, not just a scorer. Like, what I forget which game it was, but he, like, start. he was in a half, was just, like, perfect from the field, throwing down a reverse slam, just looking like this, I don't know, like the number one overall pick that everyone thought he would be. And it just looking so comfortable in the system. Jordan Poole just playing out of his mind. Steph Curry doing Steph Curry things. Draymond being a defensive player of the year candidate. It's just, I don't know, just an enjoyable team to watch. Right. All my high school guys. Hey, go watch. Go watch this year's Warriors. Yeah. Like, you learn so much about just basketball. Just Just like, if you're, if somehow you've stumbled onto this podcast and you're still 
like in high school playing basketball, like never stop moving. Like don't do this ISO stuff. Just never stop moving. Look for the open guy, make smart basketball decisions and just, I, I don't know, get the ball to people. Like don't, don't do the whole ISO thing. It's not, not as fun as it looks. No. And, and that's why the Warriors, like, you know, they might have a bad game every now and again, like, uh, when they lost to the Suns uh, a few days ago, but then they'll get you back. Like, they will. You ain't going to beat them too many times in a row. So, uh, really, really fun uh, Golden State team. So, a great recommendation there. And then we're going to give out some different teams this week. I wouldn't necessarily say just stop watching these two, though. Mm-mm. You know? Keep no. Watching. No. You, uh, to get the palate cleanse, the Warriors are always a great after-Rockets watch. <laughs> Currently beating the New Orleans Pelicans. Yeah, I'm watching the game. It's kind of a nightmare. One one team's playing two three zone, and the other one can't quite figure out how to beat it. But that's another <laughs> podcast. So moving on to the NBA news, man. Oh man, there's been a lot, but we'll get to most of it. Like I said, Matt LeBron was suspended. There was a mini fight in the NBA, like an actual fight, like a capital F fight. I he uh, unintentionally, quote unquote, unintentionally hit Isaiah Thomas in the face. Uh, and then Isaiah, or Isaiah Thomas, Isaiah Stewart, excuse me, proceeds to charge at him multiple times. LeBron gets one game. Isaiah Stewart gets two. And that's kind of the end of it. But it was a fun Twitter moment. I mean, it certainly caught my attention. So as we kind of stated with the Nikola Jokic, um, Morris scuffle, uh, a, a bit ago, I, I'm here for fighting. Like I'm, I'm here for it. Like, show, show me you care. Right, right. Who? Isaiah Stewart. He cares. Yeah. Uh, you know, not. I'm not here for Malice in the Palace, but I'm here for for getting into it. Yeah, I, I mean, he I, Isaiah Stewart's career is certainly defined by hustle plays and rebounding the ball. And I mean, he's just not pleasant to box out. And that's LeBron got to experience that firsthand. Well, that's the thing is like, that wasn't like the first time they had to go up against each other in that game. Right. So like, that's what it was like LeBron was pissed. Like it already happened a couple other times Like they were going hard back and forth at each other. Like Isaiah Stewart's like, I'm not going to let you just like kind of move me or I'm not just going to kind of jump in front of you. Like a lot of guys do for boxing out. Like he's like, no, I'm going to hit you. Right. Ron, like, after a couple of times, was like, I'm done with this. Right. And then, you know, obviously hit him higher probably than he didn't mean to. But if you had a problem with Isaiah Stewart coming at him, then I'm like, eh, you know, that's what we do. What we <laughs> yeah. You know, don't start something you're not willing to finish. Right. That's, <laughs> that's the thing. Um, so, anyways, that was a fun moment. Uh, yeah. A couple of fun piece of news, two fun pieces of news, and then a not so fun piece of news. Uh, the Mavs set to retire Dirk's number, Good uh, which is awesome. Dirk's, Dirk's number deserves to get retired. Uh, Tommy Shepard gets an extension with the Wizards. He's the president of basketball operations and GM. Uh, so good for him. Um, some not so fun news, Matt. Yeah. Neil O'Shea. Your boy out in Portland, not right. in Portland anymore. He's fired as the GM for some not good, so good things. Uh, we won't get too in depth on it, but um, there's plenty of articles and stories to go on about it. 
what I mean, what happens to Portland here? That's the real news, real conversation. Portland off to a really slow start. New head coach, a superstar who was reportedly not very happy with the organization to start with in the summer. And now this happens. Mm-hmm. Does this Ben Simmons for Damian Lillard trade talk start ramping up even more going into post-Christmas? I think it has to, right? Like, I think everyone's kind of like at a realization, like things just have to change in Portland. And once you like start going down that path for other reasons, Neil Shea caused reasons. Now you just start going down the path like all together. Right. You know? So I think this is a, here we go. Like everyone's realizing like, look, this went on too long. Like everything just went on for too long. We're in a bad spot here. Time to start making some moves. So whether it's Dame, whether it's CJ, I mean, Chauncey Billups is like in the media, like calling out the team. Like, yeah, there, there was a quote, I think this weekend that he said like the bench should never have to like get the starters going. And that's yeah. the case right now. He's like, no, nah, same interview. He was like, I need some guys to like take some pride in what they do. Um, you know, like we got to have some like teammates out here for poor, like for the team, not just a bunch of guys. Like he was really going at it. I mean, Jonathan Phillips isn't used to losing, you know? Right. As, as a player, particularly in Detroit, we were just talking about, they were one of the best teams of the mid 2000s, right? Because it was him and Rashid, Ben Wallace, you know, uh, Tayshawn Prince, Rip Hamilton. They had to be a great team if they wanted to win. Like it wasn't about any one guy. Mm-hmm. And so his whole career has been about being part of a great team. And he goes Portland out and he's just like, y'all are a good team. Like you, you have good players. You have a, a great player in Dame. You're not a good team. Like the hell are we doing here? Right. Right. That's a good point in that. Like we've talked about this team a lot. We've talked about their wing issues um, and it just hasn't come together yet for this team whatsoever. And it's been kind of a disaster to start the season Sub 500, 11 and 13, borderline play in team. Yeah. They're around the same, same as Minnesota, who we talked about, and Sacramento, who's frankly not a very good team. I don't, yeah. I don't know what you do with, with this group. I mean, it feels like it's going to come to a head a trade deadline with either of their two stars getting traded in CJ McCollum, Damian Lillard. I, if I had to bet on it, I wouldn't be betting that Damian Lillard's on this team by the end of the season. That's the thing is like, one, we got to figure out like who, if anyone, are they bringing in mid-year to kind of take over Neil Olshay's job? And then two, like the owner, like what what are they feeling? You right. Know? Like, right. Are they just like, we're cleaning shop? Like, let's just reboot this, or are they kind of like a, hey, let's just finish out this year, and then in the offseason, we'll figure out what we want to do. Like, I don't know. But like, as someone who, like, genuinely supports the Portland Trailblazers just because, I just feel like it, like, they know Lillard a lot, I have no idea what's happening there. I'm, that they, they need to be careful because while they've been really good 
with Dane the last several years, they're, they're not so far off from being Sacramento, you know? Right, right. And uh, I mean, to that point, they haven't hit on it draft pick and for forever it feels like uh they're playing this year little this year finally more but it mm-hmm. it he's not like super impressive he hasn't it doesn't feel like he no. does a ton with his minutes he's when you're like watching them starter right which is what they need right and giving up two first round picks for robert covington okay. feels like a lot now um yeah. So I don't know this. I mean, this team's certainly in a transitional time and it's going to be fascinating to watch. It's going to be interesting to see how this team responds post <laughs> O'Shea stuff. Um, so we'll just have to see what's going on with that. Matt, moving on to some injuries. Ready for these? We'll do some rapid fire ones and then we can talk about some of these other ones. Uh, Colin Sexton out for the season. Kind of a bummer since the Cavs are good. Goodish, yeah. I the the whole long term thing for Cleveland though. Of, do we have something here or not? That's yeah. the, that's the bummer. The extension thing is is what the bummer is. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, OG Ananobi out indefinitely. Um, I wrote this injury down. I don't remember what it was, but he's out indefinitely, which sucks for the Raptors who seem to be struggling at this point. Mm-hmm. Jalen Suggs has a fractured. Right thumb, uh, rookie, rookie who kind of wasn't playing all that great gets injured, maybe can bounce back, but the magic are kind of a dumpster fire anyway, right? Yeah, and that, that sucks. And it's like he, he had started to have a couple good games in a row, yeah. Uh, some good news Clay close to returning, still targeting uh, around Christmas Day return, um, which is. It is good news for the Warriors, who, like we talked about already, doing awesome. Zion has been cleared, I think, for five-on-five. This may have gotten updated recently, but he's for sure cleared for one-on-one and some contact. Who knows when he's coming back? We were told somewhat around the start of the season. We are now in December. It is not somewhere around the start of the season. A quarter of the season's all all the way through already. So there's that. Uh, Bam Adebayo for the Miami Heat out for six weeks with thumb surgery. Uh, Joe Harris out four to eight weeks with ankle surgery. Not good for the Nets who were already struggling. Michael Porter Jr. out the year out for the year with back surgery. This is this is a major bummer. This is a major blow for the Nuggets. What's well, the thing is they gave him the extension too. The $150 million extension and then gets hurt. With the thing with the thing that he has been known to get hurt for with medicals that have been alarming and eyebrow raising, as reported by many. So not a good thing for the Nuggets there. Um Brooke Lopez out indefinitely with back surgery. Another kind of bummer. We're gonna talk about the uh Bucks, excuse me, here in a little bit. Uh, and last piece of news here, uh, this kind of happened a couple weeks ago, but uh, Dave Yeager leaves 76 for 76ers for cancer treatments. Um, wish him all the best, and hopefully he has a speedy recovery. Moving on, Matt, we're going to deviate 
we've been talking about NBA. We've been talking about basketball. But one of the large reasons we've taken a break in November was because I've been traveling some to go to some college football games. Our weekends have been busy. All the things. Now the college football season essentially come, come to an end. And we have some thoughts on some coaching changes that happened within the last couple of weeks. Matt, Lincoln Riley is not at OU anymore, which I alluded to at the beginning of the show. Uh, and now they've hired their coach, Brent Venables, officially, I guess. Um, and Brian Kelly is no longer at Notre Dame. Riley went to USC, Kelly to LSU, um, and kind of just shocking moves and kind of said just peace out to their teams and, and left kind of in, in the guise of uh, an airplane, just got up and left. Yeah. And so I think we can have we can have specific or general conversations based around both of these because um, I find them fascinating. So a commonality between both of them, money, Ryan. It's you, a, a lot of money. Nine, fi- I think Joel Klatt said it best. Everyone's for sale for nine figures. Yeah, yeah. I mean, combined, they're going to be making like two hundred million over the next decade. You know, like. It is what it is. And, you know, college football compared to other sports, whether it's college basketball, professional football, whatever else, people always view college football as kind of like this pageantry. Like, it just means more and everything, you know? Because, like, obviously, so many people can be affiliated with a university more so than, like, a professional team, which I get. Um, but also, like, so many more people play football compared to other sports just because rosters are four times the size you know throughout your entire life growing up so a lot more people connect to football a lot more people connected to universities than professional teams so everyone views college football as like this beautiful game type thing you know and lincoln riley and brian kelly both gave the middle finger to that idea and bolted (laughs) i mean one i love lincoln riley leaving ou after osu wins bedlam there's a very big part of me that is loving that but I also just kind of like I'm not gonna lie I kind of just love it like both these guys being like let's call a spade a spade I'm here for money right Brian Kelly said it why'd you leave money right like I kind of love it like I don't know if I would have done the same thing probably would have though right someone offered you 100 million dollars to go do the same job somewhere else probably somewhere better yeah, I'm gonna go do it. Hundred million dollars. Uh, yeah, I mean that's that's the thing. Like, if any one of us doing our jobs, and if any, anybody came up and was like, "Hey, you're Matt, you're really good at teaching. We're gonna offer you a hundred million dollars to come teach." What I mean, would it? Would you even think twice about that? Would you even like? Yeah, no, no. The answer is no. We're getting the dogs. We're packing them up, and we're going. <laughs> especially i mean like baton rouge is not maybe not the most prestigious place to live but like los angeles like yeah like yeah i'm out of there i'm sorry like that's a hundred million dollars is generational wealth right like it's not just you you're taking care of your kids 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 like you're taking care of like three people down down the line and i like you said it's about money is like 
are people salty about the way they left? Did they handle it the best? No, probably not. But what do they care? <laughs> They're getting paid a hundred million. Like I, I don't think it's under understated how much hundred million dollars is. Like we see these numbers get thrown around in NBA all the time, and it, I mean that's just the thing is it's a hundred million dollars, and I know Notre Dame fans are upset and OU fans are upset because they feel like they just essentially cut ties and left. Right. I, it's like, you know, there's been a lot of conversations about like, what did you want them to do? Like what, I don't know, like Lincoln Riley, like I don't believe that Bedlam happened. And then like three hours after the game, he gets a phone call from USC. And be like, Hey, you want to be our head coach? We'll offer you a hundred million dollars. And he's just like, okay. Yeah. I just, I refuse to believe that's how it happened. I don't care what they say like that. That's not how it happened. There was uh, the stuff I've read was that he knew pretty much Thursday that it was going to happen. So Thanksgiving that it was going to probably be a thing. So like, okay. I I don't care about that. Honestly, fine. But like, I guess did they want the, did, do, do people wish he would have like told the team going into Bedlam? Like this is our one last game together. Like, did he want people to say, like, in the Bedlam post game, like, hey, I'm, you're right. I'm not going to LSU. I'm going to USC. Like, is, is that what they wanted? Did they want it like an 8 a.m. Saturday press conference where he sent them out? Like, how, what do you want done? I guess. Well, I think that's the unique point here. In OU's case, like, if they win Bedlam, they have a conference championship. So he's probably not. I would assume he wouldn't have left the Sunday after Bedlam if they win that game. Um, so when he says like it all happened Sunday morning, I, there may be some truth to that and that things and like hard numbers and the contract like gets drawn up and he signs it, all that stuff, like whatever. Right. But I, Brian Kelly's teams, they kind of still had a playoff spot in the balance. I mean, if some things broke their way and well, they start, Certainly almost had those things break their way. Like Oklahoma State lost the Big 12 championship. And I mean, Michigan would have needed to lose or Georgia would have needed to win. But like, those are pretty realistic outcomes. Like, right. To be and yeah, you just ditched. I mean, I don't even hate it though. Like I really don't. Like these are grown men, basically CEOs. Like let's call it what it is. CEOs mm. they, they just happen to have a job like a CEO type job where everyone sees them though right. a bunch of people don't see them like right. normal CEOs doing their daily job and everything we don't know who these guys are and we just happen to see Brian Kelly and Lincoln Riley every Saturday on TV for four months out of the year right and that's a great way to put it is that I mean in business no one really bats an eye at something like this happening yeah. um so I, I I get it, and I don't necessarily hate it. And these are, I mean, let's be clear: USC and LSU are two of the top, what five programs in terms of wealth, in terms of alumni base, in terms of resources they have available. Mm-hmm. And Notre Dame and OU, respectable respectfully, have limited resources. Like like you said, let's call a spade a spade, and. OU is going into what is going to be a, the most transitional time 
and its program history with going to the SEC. Notre Dame had some clear limits when they played against the big boys over the past several years. Well, and Notre Dame also has like the forever recruiting like disadvantage because you got to get kids into Notre Dame. Right. Right. Same thing Stanford has to deal with. Right. And I don't, I, I, some of you can pin uh, some of it can be pinned on Brian Kelly for not getting his guys to play in the right time of the season. Some of it can be Lincoln Riley for not wanting to compete in the SEC, however you want to justify it. But I, the S- USC and LSU are better gigs. They are upgraded positions. And yeah. you're making more money, and you have essentially unlimited resources to go make national championships happen. And that's the difference between the top five programs and everyone else. Yeah. You can even call OU and Notre Dame top 10 programs. And, you know, not, we're not here to set that list right now, but like, there's just a difference though. And it's okay to admit that. It's the same as like the top 10 players in the NBA and like a top 20 player in the NBA. Right. Yeah. Um, There's a pretty clear line between them. They can be great. They can all be great, but there's a pretty clear line somewhere. Right. Right. And that's the thing at the end of the day. And I, if I were in those shoes, I would be taking, I would be, I I may have not have done it the same way, but I'm taking those jobs. Yeah. Well, and I think in both of these situations too, one last thing um, on like the specifics here, like Notre Dame and OU, like Notre Dame, has intentionally stayed independent for a long time because they don't want to really be like, like, let's just be honest. Like they're like, don't even put anyone else in our conversation. They don't want to do the revenue sharing. They have their own TV deal. They don't want to be pigeonholed the whole thing. They're like, we are better. Like they, they literally do view themselves as better than everyone else. Right. Why would we join you all? (laughs) Right. We do. And OU, let's just be honest, ran the Big 12 for the last several decades. And, you know, okay, like I get it. So, like, this is the first time in a long time where, you know, when it came to it, like, they weren't the ones that got picked. Like, you know, it was like someone was there and picked someone else over them, and they've never not been picked. Mm. I, I just don't think they like they know what to do. Like even if they're like the people they bring to be their head coaches like are fine. Like I don't know. Sure, Freeman at Notre Dame, Venables at OU. Like could be great. Who cares? You know, it's not the point. Point is like they were like we we've never been a stepping stone. We've never been like the get to where you want to be. Like we've always been that job. And I think it's kind of hilarious that like they were. Like in this situation, and they both happened like within like a week of each other, it was like kind of like an indicator where college football is going now too. Like it's kind of like, look, sorry, got NIL now, kids can transfer now, coaches like you're kind of doing the same thing you've always done, but like hell, now you're just gonna do it for more for more money because now it's just all right, everyone get the wallets out. I kind of like it. I'm not gonna lie. That's that's the underscoring thing here too is that. NIL in Norman, Oklahoma versus NIL in Los Angeles, California 
are two different things yeah. and two different recruiting advantages and different disadvantages. Um, I mean, a big red Kia, I think, and Norman has been doing NIL deals for 15 years and no one's known about it, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, just, I, I mean, like the, like I said, USC has unlimited resources. OU has limited resources. Same thing with Notre Dame mm-hmm. and LSU. And it's just going to, it's going to become more apparent over the next decade, which schools do have that and which don't. Exactly. So in general, Ryan, before we move on, are you, are you cool with coaches being like, Hey, you know what? My opportunity is better elsewhere. Like I don't care if it's college football or anywhere else. Like, I think people get upset with college football because they're like, you went into these kids' living room, told their parents you were going to turn them into pros, and then you left, you know, two years later, blah, blah, blah. Like, we don't even talk about Lincoln Riley and Brian Kelly, but, like, I don't know. What's your, what's your quick thoughts? I, I think I would have a bigger problem with it without the transfer portal. Um, now that there is a system in place for these kids to kind of have a free agency, um, that's a big deal. Um I think another thing that the NCAA and NFL need to need to figure out is to allow kids to go after their sophomore years um, and, and kind of take that one requirement down a year. And a lot of this stuff is going to be fixed. Um, I mean, there's going to be some schools who that doesn't affect like the Oklahoma States of the world. Usually most of their good, really good teams are going to have a bunch of seniors, juniors on them. Right. Um, but as long as the players have the ability to do what the coaches are doing, that's the biggest thing. That was always my biggest hang up with it before. If coaches can leave on a dime, the players need to be able to, too. And they need to be able to exercise that right as much as anybody else. They are the one, they are the driver of the sport. Right. Full stop. It should not be coaches can, you know, get paid all this money. We can talk about it all we want to. But at the end of the day, unless they get the kids in place in their systems, it's not going to work. So um, as long as you can transfer and play within the same year, I'm I'm fine with it. What are your thoughts about it? No, I really like that. Um, Yeah, I'm largely in the same boat. Like, I I don't know if I've made up my mind on, like, how many times a kid can transfer. But, like, I think at least the one-time free transfer no set out is, like, at the very minimum what it needs to be for transfers. Right. Because, um, again, like, why – so, like, basically they've got the one-year – or the one-time free pass now, and they've got the grad um, grad school transfer now, which they've kind of always had. So, okay, so they have those. I don't know if they should get more than that. I haven't really thought about it. But I'm, I'm cool with at least those. Right. Same idea. Like, if coaches can leave, kids can leave. Like – you know, you get recruited by dude X. And Jimmy dude Bob. X. Like, you're like, oh, well, you know, I signed up to come to the Texas A&M, but, like, I really came to play for that guy. So, like, you know, I, I, I get that. So, I very much think, yeah, kids need to be able at least to leave the one time for free no matter what, the grad school one. I think it'd be cool where, like, if your head coach leaves – or is fired and you've already used like your first time transfer thing, like you should be granted an eligibility transfer. Like, you know, 
I like that. Yeah, because I mean, maybe you don't get other just freebie opportunities, but if your coach leaves by choice or because they get fired, I think you should be able to leave too. I agree uh, with that. I agree with that. That's smart. And then, uh, like, I, I I guess I as someone you know, like obviously, like I wasn't a college athlete, but like just someone who like I worked jobs in college you worked jobs in college like i don't know like why why do we treat them so amateurly still like even with all the new rules like benefiting them in ways like it's still so much feels like they're amateurs like like they're kids like mm. people are adults now you know like do i'm kind of you know the more i think about them I'm just like let them do whatever the heck they want like i'm working my you know college job at academy sports and then, you know, Dick Sporting Goods is going to pay me more. I'm just going to go over to Dick Sporting Goods. Like, you know, like, whatever. I like your NFL bit. Um, I think that's a good idea. Yeah. I NBA, you know, has like the, effectively the, you had to go for your freshman year. Yeah. Uh, and then you come over or like did the international thing. But even the NBA does have still like technically the age limit. So like Poku, bringing it back to NBA now, like, he shouldn't have been eligible for the draft, but they have an age rule also. The NBA does where like if your um, 18th birthday falls in that calendar year, still you are still eligible. So like, even though Poku technically would have been like someone who was going into his freshman year because his birthday was before January at the end of that calendar year, they let him still enter in the draft. And so that's why, like, Imani Bates, who's currently at the University of Memphis, 17 years old, he cannot enter the draft in 2022, which we're about to come up on here in a few months, because his birthday, I think, is in January. So mm. he's not eligible. So the NBA, like, they have, like, the one-year college rule, but they also have, like, the age rule to, like, keep kids from going to college a year early and then just coming to the NBA or international kids coming over too early, like, in their opinion, of too early. So... NBA still has that safeguard in there too, in case kids try and get to school early, like how Monty Bates did this year. Um, I think the NFL could do something like that, but say like it's if it's a two-year thing instead of one year like the NBA, say it's age twenty, you know, right? Which is what most people turn when they go through their sophomore year of college. So like it's not like abnormal or anything, but like say like you got to go to school for two years and or be twenty years old. Mm. You know, I like that. I like that. Like, I I think that's smart. I I think the NFL has been opposed to a lot of that in the past because of maturity and all the things, um, and and the kind of development and growth of the human body as you get older. Because the NFL is a grown man sport. Like, there's no if if ands or buts about it. Um, but I think. Uh, there's going to be college football has the chance to be like college basketball where there are some programs who, you know, are the one and dones quote unquote. And mm-hmm. then there's the programs who have a bunch of upperclassmen and who flash up to be really talented every three or four years. Yeah. I think college football could follow that model um, and do the two year thing because I mean, there's it's a, it's a very physical sport. And guys get injured. The NIL kind of helps. NIL deals help with that. Um, 
bank off some of their money now. But I mean, guys like Johnny Menzel, how much more would he have made if he got to go after his sophomore year versus when he did in his junior year? Um, yeah. So I don't know. That's kind of an interesting thought. Alabama. Like, right. If he was in the draft this year, he'd go number one. Right. You right. Know? Like, let's just be honest. Caleb Williams at OU. If he was in the draft this year, I don't care how you know the last couple of games of the year went for him. He'd be a top 10 pick. Right. Like, he would be. And he's going to stay in college now for an extra two years. Right. Work out for him still long term. Like, you know, but like, I don't know. NFL, do you got to expand like your practice squad size? Like, I don't know what you got to do. Is it like a specific rule of like you can have an extra three guys in your practice squad if they were draft picks of yours? Like, I don't know. But like, yeah. But why would the NFL do that? You know? Right. Right. Um, it's just, I don't know. It's it, college football is such an, a fascinating spot because of NIL hasn't really changed the game yet. And in five years, we're going to turn around and be able to say college football is changed because of X, Y, and Z. And we just don't have really a clear picture of that yet. And it's going to be fascinating to see that play out. So we started talking about basketball a little bit in there. Let's let's just bring it back to what we are uh, good at. um, So (laughs) So, although I didn't feel like that went poorly. Um, (laughs) Because OSU is actually relevant um, here at the end of the year. But so, okay, moving back to the NBA. So we're going to talk about contenders. You know, again, we've been off for a while because of life situations, my basketball stuff. So let's talk about good teams. I don't want to talk about bad teams. Um, we're going to talk about seven teams right now that seem to be contenders. Whether they really are or not, maybe we can have some discussions about it. But at the very least, seem or definitely are um, contenders. So let's start out West with the two teams that are both already at 19 wins, Ryan. Um, both the Suns and the Warriors might have more wins currently than the Oklahoma City Thunder or Houston Rockets or Orlando Magic might have all year. <laughs> that's a that's a sign of a really good team. <laughs> and at a quarter of the way of the season, if you have the win total of what one of the lottery teams will have in the entire year, it's a sign you're a really good team. My bad. I should have also included the Detroit Pistons in that little uh, conversation. Mm, there. Mm, thank you. Thank you. But uh, let, let's start there. Obviously, we just – everyone saw the Warriors and Suns play a couple times in the last week now. Um, had it on, you know, primetime TV. Ryan, Warriors, Suns, I'll let you just start wherever you want to start. What's working there? What? Well, let, let's talk about some Suns. I, I, we kind of touched on the Warriors a little bit. I have some thoughts on them. Um, but the Suns are just good. Like we, we talked about this in the playoffs. They, they just have a team that hums. They have a head coach who's really smart and Monty Williams. Um, and CP three is at the helm of all of it. They don't really have like, you know, we talked about Steph Curry as the MVP candidate. Is there an MVP candidate on the Suns team? I mean, Devin Booker, maybe, but even then it, 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 it doesn't seem like, He's going to be an outstanding, like he's going to be in the MVP conversation at the end of the year, but he's been awesome. These CP3 teams just seem to find a way to just win regular season games left and right. Like they're just 18 games in a row. They started off the season, what, one and three, 
and now are 19 and four yeah. <laughs> and just have ripped off an incredible, uh, incredible streak here. Um, DeAndre Ayton has come back from injury and has played really well. Um, and just the overall smart team, I mean, Mikhail Bridges, just awesome. Um, a super solid three and D guy. And they just continue to do what they've done well over the last season and a half now. Um, except Chris Paul and Devin Booker are, are playing well together now. Like that was the hang up last year during the regular season. Right. They're still learning. Whereas this year, like they're playing with momentum from last right. year. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean like, Ever since the Robert Sarver thing, it's like they've gotten better, which is wild, right? Because usually that's the kind of stuff that breaks the team, like we were talking about with Portland. And, you know, for whatever reason, like it's kind of done the opposite um, here in Phoenix. So uh, just throwing out just a few, just like, I don't know, random stats here. Phoenix Suns is here 111.2 offensive rating. 104.7 defensive rating. So number eight in the league in offense, number two in defense, number four in pace right now. Which uh, is not a usual CP3 team. No. team. Very weird. Kind of cool though. Mm. Uh, third in effective field goal percentage. Taking good shots, making a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> Three-point attempt rate, 28th in the league. They ain't killing them from three, right? And we kind of know Chris Paul, Devin Booker, like that's not really their game. Like they can hit them, but like it's not really their game. 28th. They're really not even trying to get a lot of threes up. They are They are top five in three-point percentage, though, as a team at 37%. <clears throat> They're just like, we'll take them when we feel like it. We'll yeah. Yeah. They're really good in the mid-range, right? Like, that's their mm-hmm. exceptional thing. That's what Devin Booker and CP3 bring. Um, they're good defensively. I mean, they're just really good defensively. Um, and this awesome offense just hums. Like, right? They get, they get, like you said, they get the shots they want. They want corner threes, shots at the rim, and then their mid-range shots. And, you know, Devin Booker has killed essentially everyone, and CP3 has been able to get to his spots, and they've gotten their corner threes. Yeah, right. Bringing it back to that defense real quick. Eighth in the league in defensive effective field goal percentage. Sixth in the league in turnover percentage. Eighth in the league in terms of free throws per, like, per, or per field goal attempt. So, I mean, they don't foul a lot. They don't send you mm. to a lot. They don't mm. want you to get ones. So, again, third. In terms of like just like the things like I know those are some like quote unquote advanced stats, but just like breaking it down, do they take the shots they want to take? Do they, you know, make the reads they want to make? Do they hit them? Yes. Do they force you to take the shots they want you to take? Yes. Do they force turnovers? Yes. Do they not give you easy shots? Yes. Okay. Like, <laughs> I mean, break it down that simple. It's a pretty good formula for winning, Ryan. Like, kind of live with that ten days. You know you know, 10 out 10 times, you know, seven days a week. So, like, they're just, like, we're just going to play, like, it's smart basketball, but it's also just kind of, like, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for here? Like, simple. Like, mm, yeah, just, it, 
let's just like not make this hard it's it's very it feels like they're always preparing for the playoffs right like this is kind of how you want to play in the playoffs they're they're taking shots that teams want to give up during the playoffs Mm -hmm. um they're not fouling like you said which is kind of an improvement from last year they that some of these rule changes and how the refs are officiating, I think is benefiting their team, especially guys like DeAndre Ayton, uh, Chris Paul, who can kind of get a little hand checky. Um, and it's certainly going to help them in the playoffs. I think when calls get a little bit tighter um, and mm-hmm. play even gets more physical. Um, so I, it, this team, a lot of people thought maybe it was a fluke. Um coming into the season, their finals run, it certainly doesn't feel like that for me. It feels like this team is a capital C contender and can go all the way again, can win the West. It does feel like where they lacked against the Bucks, they are kind of missing that extra guy, but maybe a healthy CP3 and an improved Devin Booker can get get the job done this year because I think I mean, they have as good a shot as anybody else in the league to win the thing. Yeah. Well, that's just it. It's like no one's really taken the league by stronghold this year, I guess, aside from them and Golden State. Right. And again, we'll talk about some other teams in here too in this conversation, but it really feels like those are the two teams that everyone has to knock off right now. Like, even though Milwaukee is the defending champs and Brooklyn, like still winning a lot of games, even without Kyrie and James Harden took a while to figure some stuff out, but like, it kind of feels like it's like you got to be one of these two teams if you want to win it. Yeah. But it's like, I get, I'm still not, I guess, 100% on like they're the favorites. But if you ask me, them, like Golden State and Phoenix as like an entity that combined them or the field, it would, you, I feel like you got to say them right yeah. now. Yeah, I mean, I'm taking those two over the field, like over what the field has shown me versus yeah. what these teams. I've shown, I mean, it's just the competency and the togetherness, the continuity that these teams have shown. It's it's impressive. And they kind of play kind of similar styles. They both like to move the ball. They both like to get the most out of each each possession. Um, they, I mean, their styles aren't too far off. Um, and it, they're both fun teams to watch. I mean, you just yeah. watch these two teams and it's definitely not the Houston Pelicans what I just got done watching over here not great uh not not awesome I I yeah so just real quick before we move on I want to talk about a couple of role guys we've talked about about CB3 and and Booker and a little Aiden here Mikhail Bridges very 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 good right Cam Johnson Really like Cam Johnson. Cam Johnson, at like what we we're making fun of them at the like ten pick or whatever they they ended up picking yeah, him at. Yeah, mid late lottery. It just looks like a genius genius thing now. Um, I mean, Cameron Payne has been great when he's played. Um, and they're still really good. Like to be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they're they're just playing guys who are solid, who just don't make a ton of mistakes. It, I mean, it's just a good team. Like, they don't suck at anything. Like, is there one thing you can point at and be like, man, this team is really bad at this? I wish – I guess one thing I do wish they were a little better. I wish they were a better defensive rebounding team. 
but also Aiden's missing time. And let's just be honest, Aiden does not bring full effort every single game. He just doesn't. But like when it's a big game like the Golden State first matchup, really brought it, you know? Right. So, you know, that's that's something, I guess. But I think in the postseason, like, that does kind of change. Like, Booker is more willing to rebound. Crowder helps rebound. Cam Johnson helps rebound, too. Like, I think JaVale McGee, you know, some people have talked about it. Like, it's been – he's been a good addition for them. Yes, like, yes. Just a – like another actual big man, like Sarich. I really like Dario Sarich. Like I get why he's not like a great backup five, or at least not in some of those playoff situations they were in. Right. So, you know, um, just one, one last interesting stat here. Ryan, what percentage of Mikhail Bridges' three-point attempts this year have been assisted? So Chris Paul passes in the ball, he shoots it, he scores. It was assisted. What percentage? I would say 42%. So much higher than that. You think he makes 58% of his catch or his threes like self-creation? I, I, okay. I guess when you put it like that, yeah. I was, if I had to re-guess, I would probably say like 68% then. According to basketball reference, which I use for all my man stats, I agree with most. 100%. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, so, I, I was kind of giving him the bit of the doubt. I mean, I've watched every single Phoenix game, but, like, he does I – mean, he showed some flashes of making some stuff happen for himself off the bounce. So, that's the thing. I definitely think he can. I think he still does it more so from two. Yeah. Range. And, you know, maybe the NBA, like, how they can give an assist. Like, they'll give you a dribble still. Like, if you're coming up off, like, a double screen, you – catch it as like you but like you dribble it like immediately and then mm. go up like they'll still give it as an assist like you know maybe they give him a dribble on a few of them but still count it as an assist mm. but they have it as 100 percent, and it's the same thing for cam johnson 100 percent for jake crowder 95 percent of his threes are assisted holy crap for landry shamit 90 percent of his threes are assisted so like you know, like we talked about, when they take threes, they take the threes they want to take. Like, they're not doing all this ISO, like, step back, you know, or sidestep, like, Tatum, like, threes from 30 feet. They're like, no, we're going to take the ones we want to take. And only off of, like, kickouts and stuff. Mm. I just think those are some marks of, like, you know who your shooters are, you know where they are, you know how to get them the ball. And when they take them, you know it's a good shot. Yeah, they just, like we said, they know who they are. They are well well aware of who they are. I'll leave you with this last bit here. I kind of mentioned that it seemed like they were one player short when it came in the finals. Would any version of the Suns team think about trading for Ben Simmons? I think you'd have to give up too much. Like, I think so, too. I think I came to that conclusion, too. Because there's not enough to get Ben Simmons, probably what Philly wants, but it would be kind of a fun Ben Simmons spot. Like, like I think the trade would have to be focused on Mikhail. Yeah. Bridget. And one Phoenix would be like, no, you guys traded him to us. <laughs> <laughs> That's also, a great point. The contract, I don't think you can trade him right now. I don't know if he'll be able to trade him this season. I have to look. But right. Like, I think it has to be centered around him. 
And Phoenix just right now isn't going to do that, to be honest. Now, maybe if, like, they flop in the playoffs this year and, like, Mikhail's really bad or something like that happens, like, I don't know, maybe there's a conversation there. But, like, as of right now, I don't think so. Like, based off of how, like, CP3 carries himself, Booker carries himself, like, let's just be honest, like, the type of guy is eight and needs around him to, like, keep him engaged. Ben Simmons doesn't really match that. It's a great point. I just thought I would throw that out there to see your reaction. But, uh, anyways, we can move on to the Warriors now. Yeah. Again, we've talked a little bit about already, so may not get as much airtime right now. But the Warriors also really fun. Breaking news: just an absolute joy to watch. I mean, the the Warriors have done it again. Guys like freaking Gary Payton the second. Juan Toscano Anderson, just like these random guys coming out of nowhere and playing like valuable bench time and just looking awesome while doing it. Right. That's like Damian Lee. Andre Iguodala all of a sudden has legs again. Like it's wild, Ryan. Like Bielitsa. And it's just like, where do you find these guys? Like Jordan Poole, like actually has panned out now. Yeah, well, Jordan Poole's panned out. Bielitsa looked lost in some of the NBA situations he's been in the past, and now he looks freaking awesome. Like, everyone should want Bielitsa on their team. Con for Boston to go get Bielitsa. (laughs) He was a very different player over in Europe, like, where he was legit, like, a, you know, league MVP over there. And he just hasn't been asked to do those things at all over here in the States. Yeah, basically made him the catch and shoot guy, and Golden State's like, no, hey, go to the free throw line and you know facilitate from there or something, or like you know quick little passes, like just in out in out move, you know find the open guy, cut move, and when you have an open shot, let's take it. Like it's just like they play. Like can I just say the Warriors just play basketball? Uh, like know? how basketball was intended to be played, yeah. right? Yeah, and it's just. They're the, I think they're the most fun team to watch in the league. Um, if like I had someone who had never watched basketball before or an NBA game and they were like, who, which team should I watch? I would sit them down and we would watch a, like a hundred Warriors games because yeah. just watching Steph Curry run around and the, the way they pass the ball and way Draymond just kind of orchestrates the defense and then comes up and barks at everyone on the offensive end. It's just the whole thing to watch. And it's so fun. Everyone's so engaged. They know what they want to do this year. They want to compete for a championship. And everyone gets that, right? They have they don't have Clay back yet, and they don't have James Wiseman back yet. So all of this with the asterisk so far. Um, but you gotta think Clay coming back into the situation is best case scenario, right? Yeah. And they have a really good chance to make a run on a championship. Like, I think they legitimately have one of the best shots in the league to win a championship. I don't, like, I can't imagine, like, the Nets aren't, like, this runaway favorite. Well, we can talk about them here in a little bit. They're not the runaway favorites everyone thought they would be. No. And there's a real shot here. The Lakers look vulnerable. And there's a real shot. I mean, there's a legitimate case for the Golden State Warriors to be the best team in the NBA this year. Number one in assists per game. Number two, defensive rebounding per game. I Again, when you talk about like what is good basketball, 
usually those two things are like one offensive side, one defensive side are like great indicators for what do you like as a basketball team. And obviously Clay will only help those numbers more, right? Wiseman, I don't know if he helps those numbers more, but he's at least another body to have, another option to have. So I think my one little hang-up, and not to go ahead and jump here, but I'm going to, with the Warriors is the size thing. Mm-hmm. Like if they do get to a matchup where they need size, like do they have enough? But there's also the coming back to the positives of the Warriors. Maybe it just doesn't matter because Steph Curry is basketball god. Like, I don't have we mentioned Steph Curry? That dude's he's MVP level stuff he's, again. He's an MVP. He's MVP again this year, isn't he? Like it's, it's yeah. indirect right now. Like unless someone gets hurt, lock on wood. Like he he's just on another level again. Maybe he never left and just injuries and bad teammates and stuff. He I, I, again, we're we're back to where we were five years ago. I have no idea what you do against him. Absolutely. I I mean, you gotta ho- run a spread on him and hope to get him off the three point line. Like I don't even know. I don't I, I don't know. Like I I don't have an answer. Pray he has off shooting night. Like <laughs> probably the first Phoenix game. Like yeah, like that feels like your only chance. Yeah. To like have him not go for like an easy 30 against you right and it's like easy 30 so like the worst have only lost four games this year ryan and they lost by three to memphis they lost by four to i think like charlotte they lost by eight to phoenix right and then uh they lost to the spurs the other night by five like that's it You've got four close games that like just didn't quite go their way for whatever reasons we can talk about. But like, I think all of those were stuff off shooting nights too. And Clay coming back is gonna help that, right? Like Jordan Poole's been good. We like Jordan Poole, but he's kind of he can have his inconsistencies. Um, quarter to quarter, not like not even game to game, like quarter to quarter. Yeah, yeah, he can get really hot and then he can hit the side of the backboard really quick. Um. So at, I think Clay's just going to bring a sense of stability defensively. I, I mean, Clay might not be a hundred percent, but I don't think this team needs him to be a hundred percent. Like that's not what they need from Clay. They just need him to kind of steady the storm when Steph needs to rest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just be like another like competent. We're going to play Warriors basketball. Like this isn't going to get away from us, right? And again. The system is kind of like a third, I don't know, asset or fourth, if you want to include Draymond here. Like, I think Steph Curry is the top asset. Yeah. Draymond, whatever order you're going to put those guys in. The system's like a thing that never leaves as long as one of those guys is on the court. And so, like, again, Clay just further ensures the system is always going to be in place and always being executed. Exactly. it's crazy because, like we say, system. It's not like a like a regimented thing as much as a like we're gonna play basketball just the right way. Right. It's it's the coolest thing. Again, like hopefully we're listening to people that watch the NBA like regularly and a lot. But 
however much you watch Golden State, it's just not enough. Like, it's just not enough. You can hate the whole Durant thing from however many years ago. Like, I totally get it, right? Whatever, Snake. But there's a new Snake in Oklahoma. We're all past it now. Like, <laughs> yep, I, I'm, I'm by it. I'm, I, can I dare say it as an Oklahoma City Thunder fan? I'm rooting for the Golden State Warriors to win the championship this year. Is that a bad way, thing to say? Grant doesn't win it in Brooklyn. <laughs> but... <laughs> there may be a, a little, little intent behind that, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, so moving on. How much do you want to hit on the Jets? Because we could talk about the Jets for a little bit. but I'll say just a little bit here. The kind of this one last contender question mark worth talking about right now. Um, again, there might be more teams that kind of emerge here over the next couple months, but Utah, keep keep doing your thing, I guess, right? Like, they're pretty much doing the same old stuff. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah, they're uh, <laughs> they're the only other team in the West who doesn't have double-digit losses. They're 16-7. and seven. They've been, I mean, I've watched a couple of their games. They've been fine. I, it's not like They've been incredible. Mike Conley's been good. Donovan Mitchell's been good. Rudy Gobert is doing his, you know, uh, screen assist, defend the rim thing that everyone loves uh, in Utah from him. Um, so, yeah, this team's good. I mean, it, I I like the Eric Pascal signing they had. Yeah, yeah, being added in now is another good little bit there. Good little yeah. sign. Yeah, it's just going to be tough to tell with this team because we know they're a good regular season team, and it's going to be tough until we get into the playoffs to see if some of the changes they're working on um, and some of the lineup things, lineup flexibilities they're wanting um, is going to change because Rudy Gay potentially being a defensive player who can also shoot, that could be a huge thing for them in the playoffs. Right. I want one little thing. I, I don't know if it's going to matter or not. I feel like Rudy Gobert's playing a little more pissed off this year. And I don't know if it's really going to matter. But how many times have we talked about Rudy Gobert? And maybe we, everybody, kind of unfairly. So, like, he's been played off the floor. And he kind of has been. Don't get me wrong. Kind of has been. There's a lot of games where he's like, screw everybody else. I'm trying to get a rebound right now. Mm. Or the dunks, there's a there's a little more yelling after every single dunk this year. Mm. There's just a little bit extra. And I don't know if it really means anything because offensively, like he he's limited. Like he just is, you know. Right. But maybe there's been enough of a I don't know, mindset culture shift. In Utah, of like we're not just like the nice guy Utah Jazz anymore. Like Donovan Mitchell's like I'm kind of pissed, right? Rudy Gobert is like playing a bit more pissed off this year. I I just wonder if there's gonna come a point in the playoffs where like the same old thing happens. They win a couple games, a team comes back, ties it back to a two, and it's like oh here we go again. And the Jazz this year are gonna be like nope, screw that, and pull through. I don't know if I will, but maybe, maybe, maybe. It's definitely, it's definitely something to watch, right? Like, I think you're right. Coming off that um, Team France performance for Rudy Gobert, where he was pretty good, um, it might change some stuff in Utah. 
Um, and that's going to be a fascinating thing to watch because I think Rudy Gobert can be an absolute monster defensively. And if he plays with a passion and fire, he, he can. Like that, that changes maybe something for Utah. It might not win them championship, but it might change them winning a series, maybe two. Maybe they get to the West Finals, and then it's like, eh, let's just see what happens. Us or Phoenix, us right. or Golden State. You know, I don't know if, for example, like that would be enough to get them by Golden State if they got Golden State like in the second round. But you know, maybe it at least gives them a shot. Right. So they probably regularly have so. Just thought they were worth mentioning there. It's a great okay. point. Go over to the East. Um, Nets, Bucks. I mean, we'll kind of group these two. Technically, not the top two teams in the East in terms of record, but I still feel like they're the top two teams in the East. The commonality here is they're both getting it done shorthanded. Again, no need to go on and on and on about the Nets, Kyrie bit. But James Harden's finally coming back into form meaning he's losing weight um <laughs> figuring it out and we talked about the joe harris loss that sucks we've seen them on national television a couple times honestly like not look awesome right and yet they they're still at like 15 wins for the year already right so you mentioned it briefly when we're talking about golden state and steph curry kevin durant is also very good at basketball, Ryan. I don't know if you knew this. Oh my, oh my, he's doing. He does unspeakable things to defenses on national TV. Like I don't know if they should be allowed to air that stuff, but um, yeah, he's really good at basketball. Like I don't know if the stats still relevant. I'd see if I can look it up. But like a week ago, as of like a week ago, sometimes past week, he was shooting like seventy percent from mid range. Like what? Just shut it down. Who, who does that, right? Like, that's that's just ridiculous. Like, there's literally nothing you can do about him this year. He, that's, he's hitting mid-range shots better than some big men hit free throws. But no one, no one contested. He's better at hitting mid-range as some bigs are finishing in the post. <laughs> <laughs> Right, and like half those are dunks for them. Right. Yeah. So um, he's obviously like, again, if he doesn't win MVP this year because Steph Curry does what Steph Curry does, like, you know, okay. Like, you just got to say okay at some point. But god dang. Like, I, again, you watched him much more closely than I did at the beginning of his career because he was in Oklahoma City. I don't know if I've ever seen Kevin Durant play like this, like straight up, like the way that, he's having to carry a team. That MVP year, he was something else. like I don't. He was like an automatic thirty points for like twenty straight games, and like that's that's not like that's nothing to sneeze at, you know. And it, he's just he's on that same level this year. You're right. He's at an MVP level, and it's kind of hard to imagine a version of Kevin Durant and Steph Curry not going into the final month of the season. And it's like a very close MVP discussion because that's what it feels like. And, you know, like you said, the Nets are playing shorthanded. They haven't had guys like Nick, Nick Claxton. They're out with Joe Harris. Now they've essentially gotten nothing from Blake Griffin all year. Well, Marcus Aldridge has been fine, 
But again, it's LaMarcus Aldridge. He's not the best player in the world. And they've just, they're humming with 16 wins. I feel like if you just read Twitter and didn't know their record, it feels like they would be a 500 team. And I think that's a great point there. And they're not like they're Kevin Durant's been awesome. James Harden has shown signs. There's been certainly signs that he can get to the rim and score and get to the free throw line and be explosive and be really good James Harden. But then there's other games where it looks like he's just trying to get fouls again and forgets the NBA ever changed the rule. So mm-hmm. um, I, I, it's hard to imagine the Nets not being in the Eastern Conference Finals, but they were. They weren't this past season. Um, yeah. So... I don't know. I just like this Nets team still, even though they've certainly battled adversity through the first quarter of the season plus. Yeah. I uh, I think this start to the year, again, aside from the Kyrie bit, I wouldn't hate it if I was Steve Nash. Because mm. it it's kind of like we're still wet and figuring stuff out along the way. Right? Like figuring out who we are, who we want to be. Just, yeah, hey, let's tie it back into college football. We were talking a little bit about college football. Is this kind of like Alabama mm-hmm. this year? Like Everyone just sleeps on them, and then they absolutely just smack people when it when it, yeah. when yeah. push comes to shove. At some point, there's going to come a time this year, particularly late, when it really actually matters. It's like, oh, yeah, we're all idiots, aren't we? Like, forever thinking like this wasn't gonna work I, again who knows how it ends up happening but i it's i'm i'm by absolutely no means am i gonna start discounting the brooklyn nets in terms of winning a championship yeah that's the thing at the end of the day like we don't it's kind of the utah jazz on the east like we don't know what the nets are going to be until we get to the playoffs when it matters and you imagine james harden's all the way in game shape and they get some of their guys back like Joe Harris, Nick Claxton. Maybe they trade Nick Clax Nick Claxton at the deadline and get someone else. Um so I there's I'm very high on this Nets team still. If the Warriors didn't show so much promise, they would still be probably my favorite to win the NBA championship. But I mean they're right there in the conversation. For, for players who actually play. So, right, I, you know, if the Nets aren't at least in your top four for who can win a title this year, you you're smoking something. Yeah, you're only reading the Twitter. You're only reading the Twitter mentions. You're not yeah. reading. You're not watching the games. It's a great yeah. point. Okay, Bucks. So, I mean, have they been hit most by injuries this year of any team? I just brutal. Just terrible. I mean, Pat Connison is like freaking hitting threes like Reggie Miller. Like just and Grayson Allen out of nowhere is all of a sudden this awesome three and D guy. Right. Giannis's brother is like playing backup center minutes, some. Shout out Fanasis. <laughs> and and quietly, Giannis is having an MVP season. Like all these te- <laughs> all these teams we're talking about. Have MVP candidates on them, but good lord! Like seriously, is Giannis just turning into like 
a this player that everyone looks at a stat line and like, oh, that's you know Giannis being Giannis, and kind of just not taking the what he is. Like he's like freaking awesome. Seven. <laughs> he's like freaking awesome this year. He's like even better than some of his MVP years. And it, I, I mean, I don't know. There's not many more superlatives you can say about Giannis and how awesome he is. One of the best rim protectors in the league and it just turning into an awesome playmaker. Yeah. The playmaking is something we saw in the playoffs emerge, put it that way. But yeah, he's at 27 and a half points, 12 rebounds, six assists per game right now. Like I, I don't really care that he's only hitting 28% from three. He's kind of taking them this year. Like he's, he's confidently taking them. Yeah. The shot yeah. looks better. So, you know, again, we saw in the playoffs, like, when it really absolutely mattered, he still took them, and a couple of them started going in. Right. So, again, similar in the Durant discussion, don't know what you do against him. Absolutely no idea how you defend him. Like, and if you're the Bucks, like, right now, it's just win some games, get your guys back, and feel like you can go back on your run again. And Yeah, dr- getting Drew Holiday back. Work again right yeah i mean getting true holiday back for this team is big he's been pretty good defensive stopper and somewhat offensive creator and right middleton missed some time we talked about the lopez injury at the top um not that he was great at the end of the playoffs anyway but still like you need him yeah at least need the option of him right bobby portis missed some time at the beginning of the year too like very much still figuring stuff out as a team, like getting guys back, what's everyone's role, doing your job. Like, I just think Milwaukee's, they're just there though. And still 15 and nine, right? Like you say all that and they're well above a 500, above teams who are, seem to be the darling of everybody's uh, Twitter feed, such as Miami Heat, Washington Wizards. And they're just going to keep winning games. Like that's, yeah. that's their DNA. And I don't know. I just think Giannis is, is one of the best two players in the league. And they're just going to kill. He's just going to kill everyone in front of him. Yeah. Again, it, it definitely still feels like if Milwaukee's not in your top four for title contention, even with the injuries they've had, again, you're just going to be off with that one. Like, I don't know. Maybe they unfortunately have to play Brooklyn again in like the second round of the playoffs. And like, God dang it. One of these teams isn't making the East finals. That's stupid. Right. But as long as that doesn't happen, like it kind of feels like we know who's going to be in the East finals right now. Right. No one in the East really shown us a lot, to be honest, outside of that. Like you mentioned like, yeah, there's been a couple of nice stories like Washington, um, Miami, Chicago, I don't know, maybe Boston's figured it out now after the players-only meeting. But, like, let's be honest. Like, they're not at all on the same tier as Milwaukee and Brooklyn. Right. I think that's the thing with Milwaukee now is, I mean, get the two seed or the eight seed. Like, you just don't want to play them in the playoffs. Like, you just don't want to see them on the schedule. Like, they're going to make things ugly. They're going to defend. They're going to get physical and – like, it's not going to be fun to play these guys and come playoff time. No. Yeah. Hard to beat them four out of seven times. 
Right. That's what really matters. You got to be able to do that. That's hard to do. All right. So now let's talk about a couple of those kind of maybe a step below East teams just because I guess they're in the conversation still. So they're worth bringing up. Um, we'll do Chicago and Miami here. I'm sorry, Wizards. I'll get to you in a moment. <laughs> Ryan, my Chicago Bulls. <laughs> my Chicago Bulls here. You did. DeMar. Yeah. DeMar- I'm going to give both of us credit, though. We didn't forget about DeMar DeRozan down in San Antonio. We, we talked multiple times about how DeMar DeRozan has turned into a passing machine down in San Antonio and how him playing the four in San Antonio was, like, one of the secrets of the NBA. Like, it was really working. San Antonio just sucks, like, to be honest. They do. They're really bad. Really bad. DeMar DeRozan... It's crushing it in Chicago now that you've got some real teammates. It's kind of it's kind of crazy. Like all of these guys who kind of were thought of not to be good. I think I've made this point before. Like Lonzo, Zach Levine, Vucevic, DeMar DeRozan, like all just the amalgamation of these guys. And they've just been so good. The starting five has just killed everybody. Offensively, they're so good. Vucevic gives them the spacing. DeMar needs to do his work on the interior. And like you said, it, it, I mean, his mid-range, <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Some of these guys we're talking about, like their specialty is just mid-range, and that's all they do. And DeMar is one of those guys. And it's really fun to watch the Bulls play another fun brand of basketball. Lonzo gets that team kind of just in a passing mindset. They're never really isolated all that much. Um, and it's just DeMar is killing people. Zach Levine's killing people. Busevich, now that he's back, can kind of kill people. But, I mean, this team kind of gets to be in the contender category because they just have a bunch of guys who can score and create. Who knows if they can defend long term? But, man, this team is really fun offensively. And that's what separates them from, like, a Phoenix is, like, they don't have the bench and the overall, like, guys, I feel like, to really keep this going to the way, like, Phoenix did. But it's not that dissimilar Mm. from the way Phoenix did it, right? So uh, I really like your Lonzo point. Like he's got the team in a passing mindset. I've seen a few times from some national people, let's just say, uh, on like social medias and shows and stuff, being like, I don't know, did did the Bulls really win the Lonzo thing? Like, look at the stat lines, whatever. And it's like, you don't watch them, do you? Like the the way he has the team playing, and again, he's still kind of like a the primary like this is how we're going to play guy because again, just the ball hits his hands a lot. Like Levine's the dude there. DeMar's the number two there, but like Lonzo makes that team a passing team. He's like, no, we're going to get the best shots here. We're going to get some easy ones in transition here. We're going to get the ball to the guys who need the ball. I think that's the value of Lonzo and that's not going to show up necessarily in the box score but it's going to show up when you watch him play. And I think you look back at it now. One, the contract is 
a fine contract to say the least. And the trade, there's absolutely no way you can say New Orleans won that trade. Absolutely no way. Lonzo is making a massive difference in Chicago. Yeah, I mean, Lonzo is one of the primary reasons they're very good. And one of the reasons they've won a couple games. I mean, he hit a late three the other night against, I think, the Nets to um, beat them. He's just, I think he's been miscast. I think we've all miscast him as this. I mean, he was number two overall pick, right? And we thought he was going to be this Magic Johnson, triple-double machine. Lakerland wanted him to be. Right. Yeah, and he's not that. He's he's just a really good point guard. He's like not the modern-day point guard who scores first, who takes people off the dribble. He's a guy who will get you into offense, and like you said, get into your offensive set and get the best possession possible and score the best and get the best um, possible shot. Excuse me. Um, And if that's him taking a shot, that's him taking a shot, but he's going to be looking for his teammates first. And that bleeds into the rest of the team. I've seen it in Chicago. Um, You tried to see it some in new Orleans and now he's hitting like a 40% clip um, on like threes which yeah. on catch and shoot threes, which is huge for him. And that's he not doesn't have the ball all the time. He doesn't need the ball. And he basically says, I don't need the ball. Right. I'll just help the team get into what we need to get. To. But like, Zach, you can have the ball. That's fine. I don't care. I think that's just like, like you've got to have those type of guys on your team. And New Orleans is realizing that now they don't have that type of guy on their team. Not to get on the Pelicans because we're talking about good teams. Um, but Caruso is another guy, like, not necessarily in the same way as Lonzo, but more from the defensive effort intensity. Like he's like, I'm just gonna do my thing to benefit the team. Like, yep, he's cool with it. Like he's like, I don't need to take a ton of shots. Play incredible defense. Like I'll do whatever it is you need me to do. Like just let's win. Right. I had a lot of those guys, to be honest, over the last several years. And now they do. A lot of teams don't have those guys. That I'll do whatever you need me to do to win, guys. I think it's a really good thing. Like Chicago, whether they accidentally did it or did it on purpose, they have it. And that's something that can really benefit a team, not just this year, but long-term also. Like building something the right way. You know, that's what I would say, the right way. But building something that can be like at least potentially sustainable. Right, right. Not just a flash in the paint. That's a great yeah. point. That's a great point. All right, last one, Miami. So Jimmy Butler, like, again, my, I think he's at least on the fringes of the MVP conversation. Like, he's very good. Like, he is. But I'm, I was worried before the BAM injury, and I'm even more worried now. Not a lot of guys on this team, Ryan. I mean, that was the thing going into the year, right? Like, we worried about their depth. Guys like Cape Vincent getting some serious time for them. Now that Bam, <laughs> Bam's out, like, they're going to get a lot of Dwayne Deadman minutes. Uh, Max Strauss getting some minutes. Yeah. Uh, I think Duncan Robinson, he's been in and out of the lineup some um, with some injuries. Not making anything right now. He'll uh, back, but, like. Really sucks for now. I mean, Kyle Lowry's been good, but like, 
he's also 35. <laughs> like he's a it, cool guy than actual production guy. I guess similar in the Lonzo conversation we just had, but yeah. Um yeah, I mean, and then they start getting super thin. This has been the thing with Miami all year is that they've been super thin on on the bench, and it's gonna start showing. I mean, they've they've lost a, quite a number of games recently. Um, they got waxed by Milwaukee the other night, mm-hmm. um, 124 to 102. I just don't know what to do with this team. Like, it felt like they were super hot coming out the gate it feels like everything to start the year it feels like they've cooled off since then like like you're saying and i don't know i i I think they're on the fringe of this contender conversation they're not in my top four for the east i don't think um but maybe they are i don't know like i i wouldn't if they made an eastern conference finals run i wouldn't be super surprised but if they also got bounced in the first round i also wouldn't be surprised yeah if the seeding falls in their favor maybe there's a chance of course bam's back healthy whatever but like yeah i guess like there's still the chance for that team to go on a run but like you said there's to me there's a pretty drastic like high and low for them as a, a playoff team but within that playoff team realm there's a pretty drastic high and low so I don't trust him at all, to mm. be honest. I wouldn't want to play him. Right. I know that. But also, like, do you really feel like this team can beat you four out of seven times? I don't I don't know. I really don't. Bad yeah. Team. I mean, they, they feel they feel vulnerable in the sense that like their offensive production relies so much on like one or two guys. Mm. And then like if you're managed to shut those guys down for a game or if they're on a cold shooting spell, then you have a really good shot to beat these guys multiple times in a series. And for just that, like for just Miami didn't shoot well, let alone any other reason to be honest. Right. Right. And PJ Tucker is going to get, I mean, he's in the starting lineup. He's essentially nothing on offense at this point in his career. Um, he's a great defensive culture guy, but I don't know what this team, I've felt uneasy about them coming into the season. It still feels like they need another move, but they've like spent all their capital. No yeah, way of doing it. So it can happen, but I don't know. I don't, I just, I don't know. Maybe playoffs change my mind a little bit. Maybe, maybe some things change, but it just feels like this team is short. Mm, I, I think I agree with you. Which, I mean, it, it's cool. You're still like a top 10 NBA team. Right. That's cool. But right. knowing where those guys are in their careers, they need to be a better than that level to validate the moves they've done. Right. You're only getting so many more years of high quality Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler, you know, right. Playing the way they want to play. So. Fringes, yes, but they're definitely not on the Milwaukee Brooklyn tier, like we mentioned. Exactly. Exactly. Well, moving on to the last portion of this podcast, Matt. League Pass Team of the Week, who you got? Briefly mentioned them a minute ago. I'm going to put in the Washington Wizards here. Mm. Lost three of four. Still a good record. 
especially for the Wizards. I want to see, continue to see maybe, how real are they, you know? So, again, we're recording this on Sunday night. So Monday they play Indiana. Then they got a, a cupcake with Detroit. And they got the Jazz Saturday, the Nuggets Monday. So about to go on a West Coast road trip um, at Denver, at Sacramento, at Phoenix, at Utah. See if they can take care of business here with a couple Eastern Conference games. And can they at least split the Western Conference road trip? Mm. We're really interested to see if they can. If they can, then, you know, maybe we need to start talking about them a little bit more. But I, I'm, I'm intrigued by the Wizards. Yeah, they've been good so far this year. Um, kind of surprisingly. But, yeah. yeah, that's a good pick. I like it. Matt, I'm picking the Spurs. I'm going to go – I went from watching best team in the NBA to one of the worst teams in the NBA – getting one of the bad teams out of the way early. Um, so we're recording Sunday. Monday, the Spurs play the Suns at Suns. Um, and then they play the Knicks. And then they have back-to-back Nuggets games on Thursday and Saturday to round out the week. And then the next Sunday, they're playing Pelicans. So I kind of feel like the Spurs season is in the balance here. They are 8-13. and 13. Houston is seven and sixteen. If they start losing, if they go what like they play one, two, three, four, five games this week, they go two and I think three. You gotta win at least three of them to start. Yeah. Feeling, okay, maybe there is something here. You know, like really, if they go two and three, that feels or even like a one and four stretch, which is possible. Yeah. This, I mean, we could be calling it over for the Spurs season. Yeah. Shout out DeJounte Murray trying to keep that team alive. But not a lot to be excited about in San Antonio right now, Ryan. Yeah, not a lot. And supposedly Greg Popovich was last year. So not fun in San Antonio world. But Matt, do you have anything you want to close with before we end the podcast? Shout out the league. Yep, I'm I'm turning the page on college football. We're moving on to back to the NBA. I'm so excited. I've watched a lot of the NBA, just kind of in my downtime. But um, it's going to be fun to talk about this more. Matt, thank you so much for recording episode 127. Listeners, we'll see you back in episode 128. Yeah.